Father, we're so thankful that you have promised that you're in charge of all things. And so we this morning give you our time together. We give you our our educational system, our teachers, our principals. May we, Father, um, this morning understand your role in our educational system. And may that, Father, bless each of us and our families in this conference. We ask these things in Jesus' name and say that we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Why in in North American Division, I am most recently Vice President of North American Division for Education, um, and we spend $25 million a year in Adventist education. Why in the world does this church spend $25 million on Adventist education. Why do, why would we do that? Is it so that we have strong academics? Is that why we do it? Yeah. Academics are important, aren't they? But there's no reason for us to spend $25 million to have strong academics, right? We can get that someplace else. Do we do it so our kids have a safe environment? Is that why we spend $25 million? That's, that's part of it, right? But is that why we do it? Do we spend $25 million so that our kids know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Is that why we do it? Absolutely not. It is not why we do it, because we could send them to a Baptist school and they'd know Jesus. We could send them to a Catholic school and they'd know Jesus. But they come out the other end, a Baptist or a Catholic. They wouldn't come out the other end most of the time as an Adventist. The only reason that we have the right to spend $25 million as a church on an educational system is so that we have strong academics in a safe environment for our kids, emotionally, spiritually, physically safe, in an environment where they know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior, where they get the opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ in the context of the Adventist church. And if we leave that fourth piece off, we have no right to exist as a system. That makes sense? And too many times we focus on the academics and we focus on the safe environment. We focus on them knowing... Is it important they know Jesus? Is that... Are we minimizing that in this four-point thing? No, they have to know Jesus. But if they know Jesus as a general Christian, then we lose them to the church. And that's not the point of our system. So Ellen White, the most important thing, the all-important thing in our education should be what? What should be the most important thing in our educational system? The conversion of students. And what, what does conversion mean? Right? The most important thing. Not that they just know Jesus, but they know the Adventist church, and they're grounded in the church. Because, um, and we'll talk about this, um, probably, it's a real burden of mine, so I'll probably end up spilling it this time and next time. Um, we have to ground them in the church. So we're going to talk about 
baptisms into the church. Worldwide, we baptize about 43,000 young people a year. What's the membership now of uh, Michigan Conference? So we double the Michigan Conference every year in baptisms worldwide. So we baptize a large conference every single year worldwide. So we've had almost a half a million baptisms um, in the last 10 years. Uh, those are when you do the reports at the end of the year, how many how many students were baptized. That's the number we use for that number, statistic. This number of kids that enrolled in the Adventist school that were baptized. Yep, yep, yep. And um, so, if they're baptized at summer camp, who gets credit for that baptism? Not that there's a credit, but you understand my 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 point is. That's a, that's a conservative number because lots of kids want to get baptized at camp. They, they give their heart to Jesus in a, in a week of prayer or through a Bible class or something. And then they go to camp and get baptized because that's, they want to be baptized at camp. And then the camp says we baptized, like we say we baptized a half a million. They say, well, we baptized 200,000. Um, so, but much of that training happened in Adventist education, Pathfinders, um, and Sabbath school. Those are the three areas that we are, are keeping our kids. Uh, and summer camps. Summer camps. All right, so we're going to talk a lot. We're going to have a lot of these kinds of slides. I want to explain before we get started what they mean. So we're going to look at the statistics of baptized or n- never baptized. If you never went to Adventist education, if you went uh, 1 to 10 years in Adventist education, or if you went 11 plus years in Adventist education, and see if there's a difference, a statistical difference, between those three categories. Okay? For instance, we say here that if you have no Adventist education at all, 60% of those children, by the time they are um, 18, have been baptized. I think that's a great number. I think that's a wonderful number because that's saying 60% of our kids that have no Adventist education are finding some way to get involved in the church. That's a good number. So that's... I'm not... Well, we talk about these. Nobody's slamming somebody else in order to. to I wasn't. Um, I didn't have. Wasn't raised into a Seventh Day Adventist, but I was a Methodist before I became a Seventh Day Adventist. Mm-hmm. But I actually became Seventh Day Adventist through to took um, Bible studies mm-hmm. and became Seventh Day Adventist, and mm-hmm. then I've been baptized through a Seventh Day Adventist church. Yeah, I went all twelve years through public education. I lived in Flint. I was 20 minutes from Adelphia, but we had five kids in the family. My dad wasn't an Adventist, and there's no way he was going to pay for something he could get free. And so none of us went to Adventist education. At the same time, 
I worked at summer camp. I worked at Camp Asable in the summers. Um, and I went to my dad after I graduated and said, I'm going to Andrews University. And he says, no, you're not. You're going to University of Michigan Flint. And I says, no, I'm going to Andrews University. And he says, well, you're on your own. You don't get a dime from me. And that's what happened. I'm the only of the five kids, I'm the only one that went to an Adventist school, even in college. I'm the only one that's still in the church. Um, Adventist education does make a difference. And I believe in my heart that working at summer camp um, made a difference in my life. Working at Camp Asable five summers uh, made a difference. And I'm an Adventist educator today because of that. If you have one to ten years of Adventist education, it jumps from 60 to 85%. If you go all 12 years to Adventist education, it goes up to 97% of those young people are baptized. Does that make a difference? Is there a difference between 60 and almost 100? It does because those are souls we're talking about, not statistics. That's what's always important to remember in these slides, that these are actual kids um, and their souls. So now we're going to look about joining the church. No Adventist education, 62%. 12 grades, 99%. Now, that have actually joined the church. We have young people that say, I want to be baptized, but I don't want to join the church. That's getting to be more and more common um, across this, this country. Kids are getting more, if you look at Pew Research, if you look at Value Genesis, kids are getting more and more spiritual. They're spending more time reading their Bible, more time in prayer, at least they're reporting that, but they're less interested in denominational um, values. They could care less what church they go to. They think the Baptist church and the Methodist church and the Adventist church, other than the one day, are all the same. And we're going to talk about that. And so, um, join the church. We're going to look at another one. This is a different way of looking at it. We looked at seniors in high school that were never baptized. They averaged 2.4 years of Adventist education. We looked at those that were baptized, and they averaged eight years of Adventist education. So does Adventist education make a difference for those, whether they're baptized or not? Yes, it does. The work of education and work of redemption are one. All right, so now we're going to... Oh, let me... So you've seen it. How many, how many people do you think we baptized um, in the Adventist church worldwide in the last uh, 15 years? Can I give me a number? Now that you've seen it? 34 million people we've baptized. We've baptized 34 million people in that time. Since 1966, we've baptized 34 million, but and we have... Right now, about 21 million members in the church, which means that we have lost 
13.7 million members have walked out the back door and said, I no longer want to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Almost 14 million. Is that a statistic? Those are real people. Real people. That really says that our loss rate's 40%. Of every 10 members that we have in the, in the church, four have walked out the back door. How do we deal with that? Hmm? Talk to them. Talk to them. Um, we have to find a way to deal with that issue in the church. Now, are we going to keep everybody? We have to be realistic that, and especially overseas, um, not to be pejorative on other countries, but if you go to Africa, and I've been in Africa many, many times, and you have an evangelistic series, you will baptize everybody in town. If you go to um, um, Asia and some of these other countries, you'll have thousands and thousands of baptisms. And if the Baptists come in the week afterward, the next week, they'll baptize the same people in the Baptist church the next week. And if you come five years later, you'll rebaptize the same 5,000 people that you baptized the year before, or, you know, five years earlier. That's a reality of the culture. Because when a white pastor stands up and says, I want you to give your heart to Jesus, they're going to say, yes, yes, sir, I'm going to do that. And they do. And they say, yes, I want to join your church. Um, the more memberships I have and the more churches, the better off I am. So, um, some of the statistics you have to look at a little bit jaundicely. It's not as bad as it looks uh, worldwide. But let's look at the North American division. Well, in 2000-2012, our loss rate went up from 39 point something to 43.3. So, we did a youth retention study a number of years ago. Roger Dudley did this out of Andrews. And over 15,000 baptized young people in large schools, large churches, small churches, small towns, big towns, public schools, Adventist schools, all ethnic groups. We found these 1,500 students and followed them for 10 years. And we would call them on the phone every year for 10 years. What's going on in your life? We had a a number of questions we asked them. Are you actively involved in your church? What's your spiritual life like? Um, you know, are you are you doing any service activities um, for Christ? How many of, of our young people in the North America division do you think we lost in that ten years? We lost fifty percent of our kids out of those fifteen hundred. So over a ten-year period, we lost half in the North American division. We're going to be asked someday, where is the flock that was entrusted to you, your beautiful flock? We're going to be asked that question as church leaders, as parents, 
um, etc. When I preach in a church and do children's story, and and um, I usually find one little restless kid. I can usually easily find that in most congregations, and say, "Come up here." Put my arm around him and say, "Whose kid is this? Whose kid is this?" And some parent, you know, sheepishly raises their hand, and I'll say, "No, no, no! You don't understand. Whose kid is this?" And I'll say, "You need to know this is my kid. This is my kid. I don't go to your church, but he's still my kid, my son, or my daughter." And unless you as a congregation understand that this this child is your child, not their child, we will continue to have this kind of loss in our church. The whole point is that we have to be that loving church. How many churches get upset when Susie runs up and down the aisle during church or is fussy in church and... And the members say, they go to the mom and say, either you need to get your kid in line or you need to leave. Or So what's that saying? It's saying that their worship experience is more important than the children or the parents' worship experience. And what happens too many times, that happens once and the parents never bring their kids back to, to church again. And now you've lost the parents and the kids out of the church. What is the Protestant statement? I, I heard through um, Pew Research it was 70%, 30 stayed in the church, 70% left. But then over the course of time when they were about 30 and had their own kids, about 30%. Yep. Half of those 30 to 35 Yeah, we have some of that. Um we beat ourselves up a lot. 30% of our kids are in Adventist education. 70% are not. Is that a good number or a bad number? I, um, I'm the associate director of an international accrediting agency. Baptist, Catholic, Jewish, Islamic, Montessori, um, um, private, uh, independent schools, 18 organizations. We represent about 8,000 schools in North America. And um, I've been president of that organization for almost 10 years. So I know the leaders of all of these churches personally. I mean, the, the, you know, I was just telling Jeremy a few minutes ago, I was talking to the last Monday, I was talking to the leader of the Wisconsin Synod Lutheran Church. And he said, Larry, do you have any extra teachers in your system? And I said, why? Well, you need to know that all those groups hold the Adventists as the pinnacle of of private education. They hold us as the example to follow. And we'll talk about why um, Wednesday and Thursday. But he said, I have 122 teacher openings last Monday. And I have 88 principalships that are open last Monday in June that he can't fill. And he said, I'll hire your Adventist teachers. All you, all you can give me, I'll hire them. 
No, they won't. Um, but, you know, 30%. That is twice any other system in this country. There are no other religious organizations, no other denominations that have even 15%. Recently, I was asked to speak to 5,000 Catholic educators in the uh, Western Catholic Conference. And my assigned topic was, how do we get 30% of our Catholic young people in Catholic education like you Adventists do? We want to be like you. We beat ourselves up because we have 30%. Do you know what the highest number we've, percentage we've ever had in Adventist education? Who said? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's heard this before. <laughs> is the highest we've ever had, and that was 1976. On Wednesday, I will show you the statistical graphs of how we've grown and and declined and are now growing again in the Adventist uh, educational system. 1975 was the the highest we've ever had, Um, 45%. Is 100% the goal? Is it realistic? Are we ever going to have 100% of our kids go to our school? No, we're not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really not a realistic number. But if we say we're going to shoot for 80% or 75%, then we're giving the enemy 25% of our kids right off the top. So we have to say 100% is our goal. But we have to be realistic. Did, did Jesus keep a, you know, all of his disciples? He did not. Um, so you have to be realistic sometimes as well. All right? Um, so we're going to look at seven different studies that um, that follow each other and that support each other um, in the retention of our kids. Value Genesis. Uh, we've done Value Genesis now. We're getting ready to do our fourth Value Genesis over 40 years, asking the same questions um, to our students. Last time, we did 2,267 12th grade students in Adventist schools and showed the more years of Adventist schooling, the greater the person's denominational loyalty, Adventist orthodoxy, and intention to remain an Adventist at at age 40. So the more years, if they had five years, it was here. If they had 10 years, it was here. If they had 16 years, it was up here. So the more years the higher their their loyalty to the denomination, and the higher their orthodoxy. What in the world does that mean? Here's one of my my, um, burdens in life. There are five distinctive doctrines in the Adventist church. Five of them. That are different from any other denomination, uh, really, on this planet. What are those five distinct doctrines? Doctrines. Sabbath, the sanctuary, state of the dead, 
Spirit of prophecy and the remnant church. There's no other church that has a doctrine about the remnant that God has has a remnant that's going to finish the work. Um, those are five very very distinct doctrines. You don't have the Catholics or the Baptists or the Lutherans or um, you know the Seventh Day Baptists and Seventh Day Lutherans. They'll believe in the Sabbath, but not the other four. So if you take those four, well, first of all, the we've asked every student for the last forty years how they relate to all twenty-eight fundamental beliefs, and we document their um, understanding and and um, acceptance of those twenty-eight fundamental beliefs. The Sabbath has stayed pretty strong. The Seventh-day Adventist Church without the Sabbath is a pretty weak organization, right? I mean, I mean that's core. But the other four are down in the single-digit percentiles. Single-digit percentiles. Single digits believe in Ellen White. Single digits understand the sanctuary. Single digits understand the remnant church. Or the state of the dead. You know, these kids, they get on their video games and they shoot somebody and they die and then they get back up again. They watch their movies and they're coming back as ghosts and talking to them. That's what they believe about the state of the dead. 70% of our kids in Adventist education, we we map the curriculum and we make sure that all 28 fundamental beliefs are hit four times between kindergarten and 12th grade. We map it out so that it's an age-appropriate presentation of all 28 fundamental beliefs all the way through um, education. So they hit it four times. When was the last time in your local church, other than an evangelistic series, have you heard a sermon on the relevance of the sanctuary to the Adventist message? When's the last time you heard that? When's the last time you heard a sermon in your church on the state of the dead? When's the last time in your church you heard a sermon on the remnant church? So my local church in Meridian, Idaho, I'm head elder of the church, and we are building a full-size, professionally built sanctuary that's going to be in a semi-trailer that can travel across the United States. And our target, you'll be surprised maybe, you know who our target is? The church is number one, but the secondary target are LDS, Mormons. Because the sanctuary is important to the Mormon religion as well, and they, they really listen. And so we're going to build, uh, I was, I just spoke at Idaho camp meeting last week, and, um, and we had the, the priest in the full garb, and we had, we only have about four of the, of the, um, pieces of furniture from the sanctuary that are finished, and we had those outside. And it was amazing the interest and the questions, you know, what's that? Well, what's the table of showbread? You know, what kind of bread are you showing? 
Um, so the whole issue of Adventist orthodoxy is important. If we lose those five distinctives, that we will be like any other Christian church um, in America. We will we will be no different. We will be a lukewarm people who will be spit out of the mouth of God. We have to find a way. So our thirty percent, we're doing our best. What about the seventy percent? Who's worried about the seventy percent? How are we going to do that? We've already lost two generations, right? On those doctrines, parents. If I ask, you know, a young parent out here. Tell me about the sanctuary and its relevance to the Adventist church. They're not going to be able to do it, most of them. Because of that, they're not getting it at home. Right? That makes sense? So if they're not getting it at home, and they're not getting it at church, are they getting it in Pathfinders? A little bit of it, maybe, through the Bible... um, bowl things that they do. They may understand some of that. But there's no... um, They may be able to answer questions, but can they really tell you the relevance of why that's important to the Adventist church? So so this is a burden of mine. um, And I had... Had... That's past tense. Had a bully pulpit for a while in the division. And so this became a bully pulpit issue for me. If you have not heard of the Adventist learning community, how many of you have never heard of that? I am so disappointed. We've spent over $10 million building audio-visual components that are free online. We have... 150,000 unique visitors a month on I Believe Bible talking about these issues. So if you've not been to the Adventist Learning Community, um, AdventistLearningCommunity.com, AdventistLearningCommunity.org, I invite you to go there. We are now requiring every pastor to get professional development through the Adventist Learning Community. All the teachers, all of the um, certification courses are now offered on Adventist Learning Community at no cost that you can take and 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 work on your certification. Uh, we have over ten thousand courses on the Adventist Learning Community right now. Um, there's one on boards. There's three on boardsmanship on the Adventist Learning Community. Um, how to be a good Elder. There's a course on how to be an elder in the church. There's a course on how to be a deaconess. There's a course on um, how to support your pastor. There's a course on how pastors can support Adventist education. And we are now requiring people to... Uh, there are courses on, on coaching to be an Adventist coach. You have to take, and we've actually developed it in policy... You don't take the course, you don't become a coach. Because we want the, if you're, if you're going to have athletics on the campus, then we want to make sure you're doing it with the right philosophy. We're not saying you have to have athletics. 80% of our schools do. And so if we, 
if we take the stance as a church that we're not going to deal with that issue and we're just going to forbid it, but 80% are doing it, then we have no ability to guide and direct the 80% that are doing it. So what we've said is if you're going to have a, a program, the coaches have to take this course and your board and you have to develop a sports policy that's voted every year by all the faculty and by your board. So now we at least have some control over athletics that we never had before. And that's all in the Adventist learning community. All right. On here, on there, yes. There are courses on the sanctuary. Um, Well, these are four-minute videos with supporting questions and that can be used for Friday night vespers, can be used for family vespers, that can be used for... Yeah, and, and they're all up there. There's the, there's the new website. It's, we've just, uh, spent about a half a million dollars redoing it in a Netflix style so that things are easy to find and are connected together. And if you pull up one, it'll have all the related, um, videos that are on the right hand side so that you can kind of find what you're looking for. Um, it's, it's, I think it's really, because it was my late night burrito, so, um, that couldn't sleep some night, and so, but this is, we have to find a way to deal with our kids. We have to. If we don't. The 70% that leave and the 30% that stay, one of the number one reasons that they stay is just what you said, this is my thing. Yeah. If one person in the church takes an active interest in that kid, yep. that is what is one of the number one things that keeps the 30% there. Yep. We need to be doing that. Yep. In, in, in my local church, there's a child, and that child may be four or five years old, or maybe a 16 year old on the platform every Sabbath doing something. And are they good at it? Sometimes not. That's okay. The sweetest little songs are those songs that those little three year olds. That's right. Yeah. And most of the time for the morning prayer, we have a parent and a child that do morning prayer. And so to have those, a three-year-old, dear Jesus, Amen. you know, help my rabbit. <laughs> they're up front and they're sharing their real life with Jesus. Um, that's important. That's right. That's right. So... Um, you can see I'm not going to get through 50 slides. We In Value Genesis, we ask students and we give them 20, 25 reasons. Uh, my family, my mother's faith, what, what helps you to develop your faith? What is it that is the most affirming of your religious faith? Your father, your grandparents, summer camp, week of prayer, pathfinders, my Bible teacher, or Bible classes in school. The number one reason, the number one thing that, that kids say, with the choice of all the rest of those, is Adventist education. 81% said that they um, 
said that uh, attending an Adventist school is the most important thing to help me develop my religious faith. There are two kinds of religious faith, and we, we tease this out in Value Genesis. There's an external faith, extrinsic faith. An extrinsic faith is my parents go to church, so I go to church. My parents go to Sabbath school, so I go to Sabbath school. My parents read their Bible, so I read my Bible. That's extrinsic faith. That's coming from outside of them into them. What we really want to develop is an intrinsic faith that comes from inside and and is seen outward. But it's got to be an inside uh, faith. It's got to be something inside of them. I believe in the Bible because God said so. Because I believe that myself, not because somebody has told me that I believe that myself. And so, uh, 81% um, of our students said that I can. That one. So we'll put this up on catholiceducation.org. Um, we'll find a way, um, there's got to be a way, I asked to have a way to do to have it, because otherwise, as you can see, you're going to be scribbling notes all morning. And the next presentation on Wednesday and Thursday is even worse. Because there's a lot more information. Another study, 10-year study, uh, that we followed them for the same 10 years. And they found that um, the... Number of years in Advent school was positively related to commitment to Christ, relationship with Christ is stronger now, religion is important in my life, and commitment to personal Bible study. So the longer they're in Adventist education, the more they study their Bible. The more they're in Adventist education, the more they believe Christ is important in their life. Is that important? Where else are they getting that? You're not going to get it anymore. Three-legged stool. We talk about that, right? What are the three legs? Church, home, school. What's happening spiritually in many homes? <laughs> that's, that's about the answer. <laughs> Very little. The church... How many of our young people are engaged in their church? What are we doing to help them to to deal with these five basic tenets? We're not. And so that's a weak point. And if they're not in school, how many legs do they have on their stool? None. None. My church sometimes can be a, a little bit of a noisy church. But we as a church have had the discussion and decided we would rather have the parents sitting there trying to control their kids than, than at home. Because... Yeah, yeah. Well, I resemble that remark almost. So, um, so be careful about those old dudes. But, you know, we need a noisy church. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does Adventist education make a difference? So we're going to talk about church attendance. Same scales we've looked at all along. Um, you can see that 
four times more likely to attend church um, if they went to Adventist education. Four times more likely. Four and a half times. What does inactive mean? Inactive means leaving, right? They come once a month, then they come on Easter and Christmas, and pretty quick, they don't come. Inactive is the path to leaving the church. And we have to deal with our inactive members. This is never baptized, no longer a member, a member not attending, baptized and attending. So this is, this is after they've left academy. So we took public school students, students like me, that graduated from public school, and we said, how many of you are attending church uh, regularly? And then we took Adventist Academy graduates and said, how many of you are attending church regularly? Does Adventist education make a difference? Absolutely. Um, and this 38% are no longer members compared to 13%. Now, I, I grew up in a, in a half Adventist. I'm fifth generation Adventist on my mother's side. But my dad was an only child and, and basically an agnostic. And uh, um, he just said, you guys can't attend. When I first started, Harold, as an administrator in the church, 70% of the administrators came out of public education. 70%. So lots of people said to me, you see, because that was published in the Adventist Review somewhere, um, terrible magazine, Adventist Review. My wife is the edit, one of the editors, so I... Um, they said, you see, I want my, my kids are going to public school so they can be an administrator in the church. 11% of the public school graduates stayed in the church more than five years. 11%. 70% of the academy graduates, all 12 years, stayed in the church. So which group do you want your, which, which percentage do you want your kid in? You want them in the 11%? Or in the 70% to stay in the church. Yeah, they're 70% of the administrators because you have to be a really strong personality to go to public school. And, and so the only ones that really made it through were those strong personalities that could fight for what they, they believed in. And that was about 11%. So unless you had that type of personality, you're really throwing the dice. Um, when it comes to your kids. Two and a half times more likely. Two times more likely. Um, paying tithe, the blue section, twice as many people pay tithe. Unless we deal with stewardship in the church, we will lose the church. We are a tithe-based organization. And our young people are paying a faithful tithe. They believe that God has told them they need to pay a tithe, pay tithe, but they're paying it to projects. They're paying it to orphanages. They're paying it to ADRA. They're paying it to whoever. Be- yeah, and, and many others. Um, 
many others. Twice as likely to pay tithe. Marry an Adventist. Three times more likely um, to marry an Adventist. Is it important for someone to marry an Adventist? Unequally yoked means um, that, that there's a divided loyalty in the house. I've seen it too many times. Um, joined and remained in the blue, joined and left in the brown, and then never joined in the dark brown. Does Adventist education make a difference? So we have 17% are lapsed or ex-members um, from Adventist education and 56% are lapsed members if they came from public school or another educational system. And that includes that includes homeschools. They're in the other. They're in the other section. They're in the brown section. Um, I am not a public school or a, a homeschool basher. I believe, and I've written in the Adventist Review publicly, that I believe that every child ought to be at home with mom and dad getting their education, particularly in their younger years. That's what God and that's what Ellen White says is the best for children. But many of our families cannot do that. They're Both parents are working or it's a single parent or they don't have the education to, to do it right. So the next best alternative to what God has provided in the home is Adventist education. But that doesn't mean that we should beat up on um, homeschools. We ought to find a way to support the good parent that's trying to do what's right in, in homeschools. But too many times, um, in my experience, and, and it's only that, that narrow experience of me, many times the students are so restricted in homeschools, they don't know how to deal with reality when they get out of the homeschool. And that's where we get this huge, you know, they're, they're really, they're out preaching and they're out doing service and they're, by the time they're 22, they say enough is enough. I don't want any part of this. And they become part of that 44%. We need to find a way to inculcate um, an Adventist philosophy to, to help them join who we are as a system. This is elementary, secondary, and college. Um, so if they only go to elementary school, or they only go to high school, or if they only go to tertiary, to, to college, um, where's the strongest influence on our kids? From that chart, where's the strongest influence on our kids? So, this is um, people that have stayed in the church, all right? So, 46% that went to elementary school stayed in the, in the church. 35% if they only went to academy, and 13% if they only went to college. Where's the strongest influence on our young people in the system? Elementary school. It's an elementary school. 
And Barna and everybody else tells us that you have, you develop your worldview by the time you get to 13. Right? And this bears it out. This shows us that that's true in the Adventist church. We only have six minutes left. I have lots of barriers to Adventist education. I will tell you that I used to be a pastor basher. Hello, my name is Larry. I'm a pastor basher. Why? Because I used to say, if only the pastor would talk about it on Sabbath morning. If only the pastor would show up in, at, at school and play with the kids. If only the pastor would put young people on the platform on Sabbath. If only the pastor. I used to be a pastor basher. I am no longer a pastor basher. So thank you very much. And then I started figuring it out. 60% of our pastors did not go to Adventist education. 60%. If you go to the seminary, 60% of the seminary students are second, are our first generational Adventists. They are, they are, um, they joined the church as an adult and have gone into ministry. 60%. So if 60% of the pastors have never had and that, that, the 40%, we don't know whether they went to, they could have gone to public school. So at least 60% have had no exposure to Adventist education. What do we do with a pastor when they, what kind of church do we give a pastor when they come out of the seminary? A three church district with a struggling church school, right? Isn't that the norm? And what is the rubric for success for a pastor? How does the conference office, when they're determining whether a pastor is successful or not successful, baptisms, tithe growth, right? And the number of phone calls they get from their congregation. (laughs) So that pastor that has no background in Adventist education goes to a district, they're held accountable for baptisms, for evangelism, and tithe growth, but yet 70% of the money they have to work with goes to support 12 kids in a little school. Is that school part of their rubric for success? No, it is not. And so... If that school is not part of their rubric for success and is taking 70% of their resources that they are being held accountable to, what do you expect from that pastor? They see the school as a detriment to ministry, not a positive part of ministry. But we've shown this morning that the longer you're in Adventist education, the longer you stay in the church, the more tithe you pay, the more likely to be an Adventist, the more likely to be baptized, um, etc. You know, the higher denominational loyalty. Um, you've seen it all. Does Adventist education make a difference? So the seminary, I made this presentation at year-end meetings to the executive committee, 340 um, leaders in the Adventist church in North America. Dean of the seminary, Yerji Muscala, came up to me afterwards and said, Larry, we've got to fix that. That's wrong. We've got to fix it. 
So we sat down and we developed a new course at the seminary that's a required course on Adventist education. You're required as a new pastor to spend two weeks in a school. These pastors are now begging for small churches with church schools because they see that the parents, the non-Adventist parents that come to a church school have already bought into the Adventist philosophy. They have already bought into a a prophetess. They've already bought into religious training for their children. They're low-hanging fruit. So Yerzy went one more, Dr. Mascala went one more step where is the, the 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 focus of ministry in the Adventist church? At the local church, right? Everything's around. You have a local church, and off that, on an organizational chart, you would hang a, a community service center, you'd hang a school, you'd hang a, a outreach program, you would hang, you know, all those things coming off from the church. He says, what if we swapped that and made the school the center of ministry? In the community, and the the church would be a supporting um, piece to the school, and the community service center would hang off the school, and and you would have cooking classes out of the school, not out of the church. You'd have depression recovery courses out of the school, not out of the church, and they're finding great success for churches that that use that. Um, I'm going to take my, I'm going to impinge on your time for about three minutes. Is that all right? Do I have your permission to do that? Another burden, and I'm getting less and less opportunity to share my burden, so I'm going to dump on you no matter what. How's that? People ask me all the time, how do we fix the system? How do we fix Adventist education? How do we get more of our kids in Adventist education? How do we engage our parents? I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. I don't get much opportunity to do it, but I love to fish. And it's been that way uh, for a long time. Um, and my whole family, Jeremy, knows that. But I made a decision a couple years ago. I made a vow and I've kept that vow 100%. took me months and months to make this decision, but I finally decided after much agony to never again fish in a swimming pool. <laughs> Why would I not fish in a swimming pool? There's nothing there to catch, right? Isn't that right? There's nothing to catch. Spirituality is caught, not taught. Spirituality is caught, not taught. Religiosity is taught. Spirituality is caught. If we had every pastor and every every teacher and every principal that was infectious for Jesus, that, that had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and that that relationship was so important that it just, in, it just came out of them all the time, and... And I would go up to say somebody and, and say to my teacher, what is it about you? I want what you have. I have caught something from you. If that was happening in every church, 
And I will tell you, I believe that we have pastors that are spiritual swimming pools in the church. We have teachers that are spiritual swimming pools. They have nothing to catch. It's a job for them. The Adventist church is not an employment agency. It is a ministry-based outreach in which Jesus Christ has to be number one. And if that were true, we would fix the church. We would fix the educational system. So my goal or my, my wish, my prayer, is that every Adventist, be it the janitor, be it the maintenance man, be it the principal, that they have something to catch. That they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's true, then these numbers will change. Does that make sense? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful that you are here, that you have given us this message today. We ask, Father, that that we may answer the question, after this hour we've spent together, so what? So what? We've spent this time together. What is it that we, each of us individually, will do to make a difference in our church, and in our school. Father, reveal that to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.